ten cars, you know, you can live comfortably. Um, you have your you have your thirty thirty forty thousand dollar salary right there. No benefits, obviously, but you know you have this to to start with. And ten ten cars is, doesn't take that much time out of your hands. You can still actually run another full time business or work a nine to five with this. Yo, what is up, my friends? Got an interview here with my boy, Phil, who is a Turo super host. If you don't know what the hell that is or what Turo is, we are going to get deep into that this episode. But first, I got to talk to y'all about something. So one of the most asked questions I get from y'all is, how do I make extra side hustle money? Or my side hustle isn't earning me enough. What can I do instead? Well, if you have a car, you may be sitting on a gold mine. Turo is one of Canada's largest peer-to-peer car sharing platforms, aka your ticket to real side hustle or true business income. Guys, there are people making hundreds of thousands of dollars sharing out multiple cars, and even the average vehicle generates $9,300 a year, $9,300 a year on this platform. With their app, you can post your car or cars and find potential customers to share out your vehicle. You do not have to stress about insurance as they provide a $2 million liability policy. Their customer service is excellent as they serve your customers for you and Turo does the marketing to bring the business to you. They really lay it out uh, for you guys and I think it's a fantastic opportunity to look into. You can get started as soon as today. So check the link in my bio to get going. Link in my bio meaning the show notes. But that is where we are today. We are interviewing Phil, who is a super host who shares out a ton of cars on the Tarot platform, and we get into a lot of awesome stuff. So let's just dive on into it, baby. Phil, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic. It's actually Tuesday, so much better than yesterday. Much better than yesterday. Much better than yesterday. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I'm really, really uh, excited to dive into your Turo business and kind of just learn all about that. But really quick, just Mm. give a sort of a background on yourself. Sure. So um, I come from... uh, I come from the Turo aspect, at least, uh, is coming from trying to figure out how to allocate resources we already have. Um, I think my biggest, my biggest challenge that I've, that I've come through in my life is how to turn liabilities into assets and how to make that like kind of flip around the equation. Um, all this kind of started from, you know, having an extra car that I couldn't return to the dealer for another six months because of a, a diesel scandal by Volkswagen a few years ago. Right. And I was like, I'm paying $800 a month for my mom to take it to Costco once a month or twice a month and yeah. i was like i'm sure there's a better way of of kind of going about this um so yeah that's kind of where i started and i got rentals in the first day and i scaled to like five cars in the first month because the man was just insanely good um i don't think i would have done it the same way today the uh the circumstances of the markets are a little bit different um but back then it was a little more lax in that sense of what we could do um and um, yeah, that's kind of like, I guess, my background. I've come along to 
um, in the first year running over 10 cars, second year, probably 20 something. And then the third year, uh, we I've helped other businesses kind of start up and uh, help manage for others. We started up an exotic car rental agency with a bunch of really fun cars. Um, it wasn't as good as we expected because we expected mm-hmm. Miami uh, demand and we are we have winter here. So Ferraris aren't doing so well. And yeah. even if your Lamborghini is four wheel drive, it's still doesn't have the clearance to, to plow through snow. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Um, exactly. So that, that was a fun one. Um, and yeah, now we're back. To, I'm personally back to uh, economy, A to B, a little bit of entry-level luxury. I, I like to I like to refer to my fleet as a joke, as a low-end exotics. Because um, right. I think that's... <laughs> they're, they're still a little bit fun to drive, so they're not all bare-bone, but... Mm not really like very far from exotics basically yeah, yeah. so when did you how long ago did you start uh so i started in 2017 uh early 2017 um so it's been over over four years at this point that uh that i've been in this uh, particular business yeah and and you said you you started with five cars in a month so you did it for like a month and then the next month you just got bought five cars did you lease them like how did you kind of go about that yeah so the first car i started with was a lease i had another lease of my personal car um so i just kind of put everything that i could um my uh, account manager was able to secure me a, a third lease for like nine months um only then after i returned all those leases i realized you you shouldn't be leasing cars on tiro <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um <laughs> I've pulled off some uh, some investments from uh, from myself that I had in the bank and uh, some from my family as well to uh, round up a couple of extra cars in that in that month. So that kind of uh, so it was like three lease, one finance, and uh, two cash purchases. So like five six cars in the first like two three months. Right. So that's kind of how I started, and then slowly I've been trying to move away from the well. I moved away from leasing completely as of this day, sure. and it's uh, mostly cash deals if not financed um when the terms are amazing so how many cars uh do you have in your fleet now and is this is this a full-time business you run like this is your primary focus or is this something on the side of something um so i currently run multiple businesses i do think it's my main source of income if if that's how we want to categorize it right mm-hmm. um it's it's hard to say like what is your main business because a lot of my stuff that i do is uh met like monthly type of stuff so like some months are amazing some months i'm doing nothing i'm rolling my thumbs um i currently i think own about close to 25 to 30 vehicles um i think that's kind of the that's kind of the number i'm at it's hard to you know people ask me like oh you don't know how many cars you have it's hard to say because i'm you know i have four cars that i have to register I don't know how much how much is going to get me to at that point. Um, some of the cars are totaled; they're still in my account. Um, some cars are kind of semi-scrapped. Um, you know, you kind of start losing track of them. You can't like it's more like an Excel type of approach versus right. a I physically see the vehicle in front of me and I know I have this car. Right. Right. Um, what do you store it? Uh, I love this question. So ever since I started giving, uh, like, it's it's a question I get all the time. Probably, yeah. <laughs> the best answer I came up with is in my customers' driveways. Oh my god! <laughs> if the cars are sitting in my lot, I became a dealership, and I'm losing money on the cars. Right. So for me to actually have a business that runs, I need to store it in my customers' driveways. That's 
that's the only way to go. So do you have like a team that organizes and orchestrates, um, you know, lines up rented or rented or renter so that there's always a location for it to be? Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, we currently have three locations, um, one in the city of Montreal, close to downtown, uh, one uh, right outside uh, next to a uh, big uh, shopping center, which is uh, called the Distant, which is the crossing of two major highways. Um, and another one a little bit further close to a metro station also in the South Shore. So the good thing with being outside of Montreal is that you have a lot more parking. Um, being inside of Montreal, we try to focus on economy, very subcompact vehicles. And outside, we, start, we store larger cars. Right. That, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And and mm-hmm. just just from a targeting perspective, that that's that's very sharp. <laughs> um, and, and so is it just an office location or like it's just kind of like a sort of like an HQ for different areas for like checkpoints yes. and things like that? Sure. So uh, in our Montreal location, that's actually my family's uh, family's house. Right. So uh, my uh, both both my parents have been extremely helpful in uh, in growing that business. Um, my father has been retired for um, seven years, I think. And at some point, mm-hmm. my mom told me, "Phil, um, you know, I work from home, and I like waking up a little bit late. And I loved when dad was leaving in the morning and coming back in the evening. Um, can you find him something to do because <laughs> he's just roaming around the house, you know? And there's some people like this, and I, I think I'm going to be the same later on in life. Is I just have to do something. Yeah. I don't care if I'm getting paid for it or not. It's just I have to move. Um, and you know, it was great for him because it gave him something to like an extra thing that he was actually very good at. He had a lot of connections. He's been. Um, we we actually all come from Russia, and he had a lot of cars there. So he had a lot of experience in maintaining and kind of figuring small stuff out. So he's been very helpful. He's been a pretty good pillar in in growing that business uh, there. So he manages that location. Um, he also manages all my administrative stuff. Him being a programmer, he built a uh, accounting software for us to use so we can keep track of our month-to-month performance, how many days out of a month we're getting rentals. And if we manage vehicles for other people, we also have an idea of how much to pay them at the end of the month um, because everybody wants to get paid eventually. Right. Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And then our other location is, um, well, the one, the other one next to the massive shopping mall, there's just unlimited parking. That's where, where we reside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that place is, uh, like just has a couple of vehicles, mostly high end, uh, large SUVs. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, BMWs, Porsche Cayenne, and, uh, we have a couple of Kias, um, that's kind of like that location and the other places, uh, the garage that, uh, that uh, my girlfriend's father owns. So it's really easy to maintain the cars when they're there. They're, you know, a little bit older, but whenever there's an issue, he just opens the door, brings them in, fixes two, three things, brings them out. Right. right. So it keeps the money in the family. It's that's kind of the critical aspect of it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Trust, trust is everything. Trust is everything. So, so with yeah. your business and the, the sort yeah. of business model, mm-hmm. you know, how much does the business gross every month, roughly ballpark? And then how intensive, I, I'd assume you're the CEO and the owner operator of the business, mm-hmm. right? You know, yes. how intensive of a business is it to get that sort of uh, amount of uh, gross income? 
Sure. So I think um, I just want to maybe reformulate your question. The first one you had about like, you know, how does it go grow from month to month? Uh, we are every single city, right? Depends who's where you're where you're tuning in from. Every single city has its own wave of uh, highs and lows, right? Mm-hmm. Um for example, summer is usually very busy. It's from June to late August, it's going to be extremely busy. That's because most people take vacation that time. Now, even with COVID, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of rentals during those months, even if we don't have that many international travelers. But naturally, in October and November, we're targeting more local markets, right? But if, if let's say your city has a festival that's pretty major, that has like a major attraction, you know, you must be aware of those things and you must be kind of ready to. Uh, have those rates up, uh, increase those rates following enterprise and discount and all other competitors um, to see, okay, when is when am I actually going to get super occupied and super not, right? So I think this is one of the only, like one of the businesses that I would only compare year to year and wouldn't compare month to month. Mm-hmm. Um, if I look at August, I've made as much money as I've made in the first seven months of the year. Mm-hmm. Wow. 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 So it's it's that intense. I mean, I've added like 10 cars in August as well, but right. you know, factoring that in, um, it's it's really a business that you have to compare August to August, September to September. Um, you know, year to year, I think I think what you really need to understand is like rates are not really going up um mm-hmm. besides the besides the, the COVID special right now due to the lack of parts and supplies for new vehicles. If you go out to do a dealership right now and if you want to buy a basic car they tell you wait two three months yeah and you're just trying to buy a basic corolla or basic you know kia fit or honda fit sorry whatever any type of car it's going to be really hard to buy so a lot of people are stuck renting and that has been driving our rates up significantly there's mm-hmm. been a lot more local travel uh, that's a trend we've been experiencing since uh, mid 2020 when restrictions have been kind of like relaxed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the first day actually of that that things have been into lockdown, I've noticed a lot more local renters who don't want to take the bus anymore mm-hmm. because they don't feel safe, right? So this is such a this is a business that you have to be so in tune with what's going on in the world in your particular area mm-hmm. that it's really hard to answer that question like specifically. You know, pulling the pulling the data from 2019 is worthless, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. No, no, and I I totally understand. Like, so I mean, controlling for everything you can reasonably control is is running a Turo fleet a thinly margin business? Is it a is it a highly profitable business? Just in general, I mean, I'd imagine there's a lot of upkeep and a lot Mm -hmm. of maintenance and a a lot of stuff like that. So kind of walk me through the the profitability of the the model. Sure. So I think um, a regular person, let's say you have nothing else, you're just doing Turo. Um, If you purchase about 15, like 10 to 15 cars, you purchase them correctly. So that means not directly from the dealer at full price, but you get really good deals and you get lucky every single time, right? 10 cars, you know, you can live comfortably. Um, you have your you have your dollars $30,000, $30, $40,000 salary right there. Um, no benefits, obviously, but, you know, you have this to, to start with. And 10, 10 cars is, doesn't take that much time out of your hands. You can still actually run another full-time business or work a nine to five with this. Right, we have a lot of people that this works with. Um, now, as we scale up, 
you know, there's some there's some issues that come into play. So are you purchasing a correct vehicle, right? Um, you know, sometimes, and I've, I've made that mistake, um, and a lot of people have, they buy cars because they have to get a car and it turns out not to be what it is. Or you just get unlucky and a month later, something major breaks down and you're in for a thousand dollars of repairs. You know, that's why I say there's like kind of a luck factor in it mm-hmm. that you have to consider. Um, and definitely a factor of, you know, how many vehicles you're actually buying. If you're only buying like two or three, you have to be so careful about every single choice and you have to be okay with letting it go. Right. Yeah. Right. You kind of, kind of like, because there's just such a, it's such a smaller number, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. And, and, and so what would you say? And I mean, you, a lot of newer sort of hosts and things like mm-hmm. that, like, what do you, what's always your wants to like get started with a fleet or start with a car or things like that? Sure. So I, I asked, I asked two questions and it's something actually I was speaking to some, to another group this morning is first one, first question I have is, do you want to just drive a nicer car? You wouldn't be able to afford otherwise, or do you want to make money? And this is a four question. And I love how everybody answers both. Obviously both. We obviously want to be get rich and also look cooler, right? But you really have to get back on the ground and understand, okay, if I'm going to buy like BMW when I can only afford a Honda, right? You have to understand that, you know, it might come with some additional issues. So yes, you're going to drive a nicer car, but you're not always going to drive it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be stuck with the payments and you're going to have to deal with a couple of additional issues. So my suggested strategy usually is buy 10 Hondas and then take the money you're making out of the 10 Hondas and buy yourself your dream car. And that could be a rental like once a month or twice a month. That's what I do right now with my, with my Porsche. It's a car I rent once or twice a month. It makes me a couple hundred dollars a month, but it doesn't get the usage and I actually get to drive it, you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Enjoy the car. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's awesome. What's what's the, yeah. you know, I'm so curious, what's the craziest or most audacious car you've ever had in your fleet? Ooh, um, okay, define define craziest, like most just, expensive just, or I like guess something most, that, most I w- expensive. that I wasn't sure is going to make it. Both. Let's give me give me both. So the mo- most expensive, and then another one where you're just it was just kind of a crazy purchase. Let's do, let's do that. Okay, crazy. Okay, so I've uh, let's start with a crazy purchase. So I have uh, bought blindly. I have not seen it. It had one photo on the um, on the Facebook Marketplace ad, and it was a 2007 Pontiac G6. Half the paint was faded. It had. I could see on the on the on the picture already. There was only one. Um, it only ha- it had two different wheels, oh, and man. that car was listed for a thousand two hundred dollars. Right. So I negotiated with the with the seller. I was like, okay, how about I buy it for nine hundred? Could you drop it off at this garage? And she's like, oh yeah, I dated the guy that worked at this garage. No problem. Um, so they dropped it off there. I actually forgot about that car for a month because I was busy de- dealing with my Tesla that I just bought as well. Right? <laughs> yeah. I was paying that in the month of uh, like month. My monthly payment was nine hundred something. Actually, it was a thousand two or something like this. Um, and anyways, I ended up sending somebody to pick it up because she was like, "Are you ever going to transfer it?" I was like, "Okay, okay, yes, I'll do it." Um, so apparently, it had only one brake that worked out of the four. The steering wheel was turned over 90 degrees. 
and it was making all kinds of noises and rattling. Um, It had this like pink puffy uh, steering wheel cover. Um, And half the paint was like faded, you know, like some of the Hondas have this. Um, Yeah, it was really awful. Um, So I had to put, I think, like thousand something dollars in repairs in it. And I actually ran it for over six months to a year. And then I ended up reselling it for like 2000 something dollars. Oh, so it kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah, it kind of worked out. But at the end, I think time spent, I think we made like 15 bucks an hour. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. And then, and then the most, the most expensive. Uh, it was also red. Uh, it was a Ferrari 488 a GTB with wow. uh, HRE wheels. They were gold. So they were like three, 315, uh, 35, 20s, I think. So they're like super slow profile. Um, we ended up renting that car once, I think. Once. Because it was $3,000 a day. And that's a, actually a racetrack spec. So really? it made no sense whatsoever. Um, it, was, it was also like a very weird purchase that the, the team that I was coaching uh, made. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's... It was a fun. It was a fun thing to drive from time to time. Um, insanely difficult to park, as you're extremely low, and you. I was always afraid of either hitting the, um, hitting the the sidewalk with the door, mm-hmm. or just, you know, hitting anything with it, because everything is carbon fiber and everything is like twenty thousand dollars, and that's just like insane. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, I think I think going from those two red cars, these, these have been kind of my experiences. Um, it, it's something that works maybe in LA, maybe in Las Vegas. Um, Montreal is a very niche market for this. Uh, there mm-hmm. are a couple of companies that do it. Uh, there are a couple of good high performance, rich, like, I mean, big, rich cars. Um, those are going to be Audi R8s. I think has been the recommendation across, across the board. You know, not so expensive to maintain, pretty fun, pretty fast, but doesn't have the sticker and the branding of like mm-hmm. Ferrari, for example. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, these have been kind of my, my two extremes. Um, in terms of stories, man, I have a lot of stuff. Um, I often, I think, I think everything with a grain of salt. So um, I've had cars impounded. I've had cars stolen. I've had renters that gave, brought me proofs of they've been in the hospital. That's why they didn't return the car. But you know, that's statistically, that's because I'm running 40, 50, 60 cars at a time. That's over, over all this experience. Um, I think over 70 cars have been through my hands to this day. If I go right. through my accounts. Right. Have you had a car so from w- the start to the end, like till, till right now? Uh, ooh, from the right beginning, the first two, three cars. No, I still have one of my first cars that I've purchased. Um, it's a two door Yaris. Uh, RS, so it's the sport spec. Mm-hmm. The only thing it means is that it has a skirt and has alloy wheels instead of like steelies. And that's sport. Uh, <laughs> and that's sport. Um, I I think yeah, I, I bought this like early on in the, in the whole time. I think I bought this in August and I started in like May. Uh, it still it still drives to this day. I had to change transmission. I had to change uh, pretty much every single part in it except the engine. But it's like a Toyota, so it's like bulletproof. Um, right. Yeah, that car has still been running, uh, still been running, and still brings me a decent revenue every month. Right, right. Now that 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 makes a ton of sense. I just love how grassroots you can just 
throw your car on. I mean, assuming mm-hmm. it meets the uh, the criteria, right. but you can put your car on turbo and rent it out like today, you know, it, it, and it's mm-hmm. incredible and you can scale it and get multiple cars. And, and it's, 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 it's really, really uh, incredible, but you know, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. So, you know, I know Turo is, is very helpful when things don't go so good and things go mm-hmm. awry. Similar, you talked about yeah. having a, a full on write off. Uh, how is that process and, and sort of how does Turo kind of uh, hold your hand through all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, assuming that somebody smashes your car or somebody tries to steal your car, or some crazy mm-hmm. stuff like that. How, how does that go? Right. So I think the best, the, the best thing about this is that Turo has a blanket insurance with uh, Intact or ICBC in uh, British Columbia. Um, I think my number over, over everything is something wrong happens once every hundred times. It's pretty good. So under, under 1%. And most of the time it's small stuff. Like somebody scratches a bumper somebody has a knock on the windshield or something like this. You know, I've actually been accident free for like 10 months or so. Oh, <laughs> I sound like an alcoholic anonymous right now, but <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And then I had like a couple of accidents in the past few weeks, but that's just because everything's so intense right now. And then with the heat, everybody's excited. Everybody's trying to get in as much as summer as possible. Right. Um, so I think if you follow, if you follow rules and you follow procedures, um, and you overcompensate covering yourself, um, you know, everything is going to end up going fine and going through, right. Mm -hmm. You just have Mm -hmm. to not be shy to ask questions. Um, one of the things we've we've done to to kind of alleviate this, and that's something I started a few years ago, is a, a host host run um, Facebook group. So we have a lot of people who are starting out who join that that Facebook group, and they're like, "Oh, this is happening. That is happening. What do I do?" And then you have more experienced hosts who've actually dealt with this type of issue come in, chime in, and say, "Hey, like this is what you have to do within 24 hours. You have to submit all your images, and you have to submit your claim, and all this stuff, right?" Mm-hmm. So once that is done, you're pretty safe. You have a little bit more time to figure it out. Is it something I can just repaint like with a garage? Uh, you actually have 20 days now, which is amazing. Um, or is it something that you, that is like over a couple thousand dollars that needs like major body work and, mm-hmm. you know, has to be sent to an insurance policy. Um, so that's usually how this goes. Um, same thing goes for things like, you know, somebody r- forgets to fuel up, somebody forgets to, you know, clean the car or, um, you know, somebody gets a ticket like two months down the road, down the road, you know, you just get the ticket, you pay it, you submit the reimbursement request to Turo and they pay you. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's really straightforward. It's not like a super complicated process. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say it's not complicated, so I do run like direct car rental as well. And my pro- most of my business actually goes to Turo. Like ninety five percent of my revenue is generated through them, just mm-hmm. because they provide so much support in the process of twenty four hour hotline, you know, towing services, and you know, super good insurance policy for mm-hmm. a fraction of the cost that I would be paying myself. Right, that's incredible. No, no, no that's yeah. really that's really special, and I, I think that's the first thing that sort of comes to people's mind when they hear of, of a concept like Turo, like what if something goes wrong or what if somebody runs away mm-hmm. or, or drives yeah. away or something like that. So that's, that's, that's incredible that um, they provide so much support. And, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the, with your business model, like 
How sustainable do you think it is? Like, do you think, do you see a, 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 a sort of broad company vision and you really think you want to scale this over the next five, 10, 15 years? Kind of take mm-hmm. me through your vision for the company. Sure. So I think um, a lot, assuming there are no external factors that are like new laws and policies that come into play that change and revolutionize things, right? And we always have to adapt to those types of stuff, right? If, we ha- if we're going to have AI-driven cars in 20 years, obviously I'm going to be out of business. Um, you know, it's just like, it sucks to be the guy who bought a hundred horses the day before the model T rolled out. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's, it's just the nature of, it's just the nature of life. Is it something that I see sustainable and something that could grow in the next few years? Absolutely. I think, uh, as a generation, and I think we're close to the same age, uh, my la- millennials in general are not people that like to own stuff. Right. Um, mm-hmm. also with the cost of everything and the complexity of, every single vehicle uh it just doesn't make sense you can't do your own you know you can't change your own radio you know my first few cars i could change my own radio they're pretty stable everything's super easy to unclip you know four wheels basic brakes no abs systems none of that like fancy stuff no bluetooth you know now your steering wheel has so many options like your car has so many options it's insane you know um you can't actually like maintain all of those things and actually know that everything works correctly so I think more and more people are going to go away from owning stuff and more towards renting it when they need it. Mm-hmm. With the capacity increase, I think more people are going to go to more sustainable ways of transportation, such as electric bikes or you know metro systems or fast trains that are actually coming around in Canada, um, and only going to use like cars and vehicles when you know they need to go out of the city or something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I definitely three hundred percent like my age group, our age group is really mm-hmm. starting to get away from owning stuff. I, it's just, it's just so much lighter and it's so much flexible. Mm-hmm. And when, when you have companies like Turo and Airbnb and all these service-based companies, your mm-hmm. peer companies that will really just kind of um, ride that trend with you and, and sort of mm-hmm. uh, do that. I think it's, it's really strong. And, and yeah, I could totally see myself, um, you know, not wanting to just have a car. If I live in, I live in the city, like, what do I need a car for? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think as you see sort of transportation trends, like you said, develop into smaller markets, uh, suburbs, more of a network, uh, it could, it could really turn into something, you know, where, where Turo can really scale and, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's quite awesome. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what, who is this business not for, right? Like who, who is, who do you think, you know, and I know you talked about those two questions or the, the question or two that you usually uh, ask, mm-hmm. who, who is this business not for that? It's like, ah, you know, if this is you, then you probably might not want to do it. Right. Um, so I think, uh, I think you need uh, one critical aspect is you need somebody to help you, right? Regardless of who you are, which, who, you know, whoever that person that this business is perfect for, which I have a couple of jobs that, that come to mind and that, that branch has kind of expanded ever since a lot of people are working from home and have a lot more flexibility, you know, in their lifestyles. Um, and also with Turo coming out with more technology such as, you know, remote unlock where you don't actually need to check the car every single time and you just come with your phone, the customer presses unlock and they don't need a key to get in, right? So, you know, with some of the technologies available in some vehicles, I think there are more business, there are more people that can do this that couldn't do this last year. Um, I think if, let's say, 
Um, if you're on your own and you have no support whatsoever, I think if you're away for long periods of time at work where you're so focused that you cannot ever look at your phone, it's going to be very difficult. You know, the jobs that come to mind uh, for those are, um, you know, people that work like truckers, people who are in transportation, who need to have, uh, who have factory jobs, who have, uh, who are doctors, anybody in the hospital, in the medical field is, is extremely difficult because, you're so, you know, um, like narrow visioned into what you're doing um, day to day that you don't have as available bandwidth to, you know, answer this quick phone call for two minutes or answer this or like do that type of stuff. Sometimes you have to react really quickly to, to some situations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this car is not starting. Why is it happening? Oh, maybe the steering wheel got locked. But you have to answer that. The customer is not going to wait there for an hour for you to come back to him. Right. So, yeah, so I think, and that's assuming that you have nobody to help you with. Now, right. if you do have that second person, if you do have that spouse that's, you know, either stay at home parent or just somebody who has a little bit more flexibility or, you know, a friend or a guy that lives down the street or a renter you used to work with, you know, mm-hmm. you rent your car a couple of times. Some, some of those people ended up working with me. You know, some of those people ended up starting putting, buying their own cars and putting them on trail. Right. So, it's all about kind of building a community and I'm sure everybody has a person like that, that could help out from time to time. I think just sharing the past, the, the logins to the application is, you know, plenty enough to, to get that going. Yeah. Right. That's incredible. That's incredible. Phil, this has been a fantastic interview. I just got one mm-hmm. more question for you. Sure. What's if, if you were to say one thing that has led to the success of your, your Turo business, what would you, what would you say that is? And I know there's multiple things and I know you're mm-hmm. talking about luck, but if you were to narrow it down to just <laughs> one thing, what would you say? Well, uh, when talking about luck, uh, we have a saying in, in my culture that you make your own luck, right? If, you know, we're, we're all lucky. We're just like, are we ready to take that opportunity or no? Right. So it's, it's a little hard to just say like, oh yeah, you just got lucky. You know, you like, you were ready. Everything was set, set right. Everything you had, like I had the assets necessary to kind of get lucky and have this opportunity and ride it. If I had no cars, when I saw this, I would be like, what? I have to go buy, I have to go out, buy a car. So complicated, too risky. I don't understand it. Right. Um, you know, if, I guess if there, if there's one thing I could say that, you know, is basically give it a try. Um, you know, and don't be deterred by bad experiences that you may have at the beginning. Um, you know, also coaching through a lot of people. Some, some of the people I coach have had terrible experiences and they've pushed through and they've became, came out stronger on their side and, you know, they're amazing hosts and they have a lot of cars right now. Um, I think it comes down to philosophies. Um, you know, when one of your employees messes up, you shouldn't fire him because that employee just became more valuable. Because their mistake and them learning from that mistake has now brought more to your corporation and to your business than they would have if they would have been perfect from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just trying it out and seeing. And because it's such a easy like easy business to get in and out, and that's the second question I ask everybody, right? Do you want to buy nicer cars or you want to make money? Second question is, how do you get out of this business in 30 days or less? Right. If you can't come up with an answer and you're going to have a lot of trouble in it because that means you've overpaid for your cars. That means you've over leveraged yourself and you may like, if something happens, let's say you have to leave the country or you want to move on to something else. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that that works out, 
um, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble in, in that situation. So, you know, how do you get out of this business? If it's you're just putting your personal car for like two, three, two, three experiences, how do you get out of it? Well, you just keep paying the same car bill you've been paying before, or you still own the same car. So yeah. you get out of it in five minutes. You just disable your listing. Yeah. You know? right. um, I'm always wary of people that come to me and they're like, okay, Phil, um, I have $100,000. Uh, I want to start making money tomorrow. I'm like, unless you give that money to somebody who's already had a successful business, you're probably going to be in for a lot of surprises. Right. It's very exactly. different managing one or two cars part-time than buying 10 cars correctly and managing 10 of them at once. So would so, you say scaling too quickly it could be a mistake? Like, I mean, buying, I know you said at the start, you bought five at once. Maybe that yeah. wasn't the best. Would you say oh, yeah. you should you should acquire maybe one or two at a time over the over a span of time? Mm-hmm. I think um, let's go back to the situation where it's a yearly business, and this is something I've seen a lot this summer, uh, especially with the massive you know interest that that people have had. Um, you know, buying so many cars at super high rates and not being able to sustain them when you know. November is going to roll around is something that concerns me a little bit. Right. And that's something that I've been talking about since the beginning of, of summer is like, guys, be careful what you're, what you're leveraging yourself to. Right. Um, you always have to be able to have an exit strategy. As soon as you are too leveraged, you might be in for some trouble in that, in that situation. Um, you know, can you buy five cars this summer and be successful? Absolutely. If you, if you have the team and you have the know-how and you have the, you know, you've purchased five amazing vehicles or you can resell for more tomorrow, you know, you're good. You're not, you shouldn't be concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if do you have automotive experience? Yes, you can buy a little bit more cars than the guy who doesn't, right? So right, right. It's all, it's all relative to what assets do you have and assets not only financial and time-wise, but like what knowledge do you and your surroundings have and you know, what, what are those factors that come into play? I have I have people who scale to 10, 15 cars and I'm not concerned about them, about them over the winter, but I have people who scale to two cars that I'm concerned about because Fair enough. they've paid a lot of money for them. And I'm right. like, yeah, that's difficult. It's going to be difficult, right? It's going to um, be tough. Yeah, exactly. But you have to look at a yearly trend. So maybe the first year, get your feet wet, try it out, see how it goes. I think up to five cars, it's, it's a pretty safe and easy to, to manage business Four mm-hmm. or five cars. From there, you start to kind of understand what kind of issues you start running into. Um, it's different when you have like five cars on the street in your driveway that's supposed to have one car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the grass or something, yeah. Yeah, when you start like dealing with that type of stuff, you're like, oh, wow, okay, I haven't thought about this. Um, once you get there, like this is when you can kind of see, okay, is that business for me? It's not like, oh, maybe I shouldn't buy this type of cars because it attracts this type of people and I don't want to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want to buy manual vehicles? Do I need air conditioning? Like these are all valid questions that as consumers who buy cars for themselves, maybe don't ask themselves, but when you buy for rental, it's a different story. Different you're, you're buying something. Yeah. You're buying your, you're in a whole other different game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, okay, that's that's it yeah. for me, uh, Phil. I really, really appreciate it. Is there anywhere? Is there any way uh, or anywhere that someone can reach out to you if, if they have any questions or anything Absolutely. like that? Where can they find you? Yeah, so we actually have uh, with Turo, we have this Pioneer program. So this is a program that we've uh, we've built with the Turo team. 
um, of uh, all the coaching that that I've been doing for the past few years, and a couple of other hosts that are pretty uh, that are pretty well experienced in Canada. Um, so essentially, it's a three month program where you know you have one on one sessions with myself or another host in that's in the city that you're located in. Um, then for the next three months, we have group sessions and we kind of guide through the starting up of the business. And that's why I'm telling you all these experiences that I'm having with all those people. Um, this is where we're going to be kind of qualifying and putting and putting the right support group uh, for this. Um, there's also the Tiro Canada group on Facebook with the little Canadian flag um, has over 600 members at this point. So these are all experienced or new hosts that are starting out. Uh, it's an amazing community. It's very supportive. It speaks both English and, and French. Um, so that would be kind of the place to find uh, to find myself. And uh, otherwise, it's going to be explore.turo.com forward slash Phil. That's my awesome. landing page at Turo, actually. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Phil, I really appreciate your time. And I think I learned a ton about your business yeah. or anything or, or, and everything. So I really, really appreciate your time. And I'll have to have you back on the show sometime. Fantastic, Nathan. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, maybe one day you'll be on my podcast about uh, the two host experiences. Beautiful. Yeah. Sounds great, man. Sounds great. Take care. All right. So that is all I have for you, my friends. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Thank you, Phil, for everything. He is such a like dope dude, man. He's awesome. Uh, and thank you so much to Turo for sponsoring this podcast. But yeah, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to Phil. Feel free to reach out to me. Uh, and that's all it is, baby. So appreciate y'all, boy. I love y'all. And I will see you later.